these guys survive the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. All right. Well, uh, so it's funny. Kyle, Kyle texted me like, I think it was, well, we were texting a couple times this weekend, but but you made reference yesterday to like, I've kind of had a hell of a weekend um, looking forward to catching up. And I, and I, maybe I'm just like a bad friend. I didn't like ask you more questions about your bad weekend. I figured, oh, we'll just like catch up on the podcast or, uh, you know, we'll catch up on Tuesday. So you were without power in the Pacific Northwest for, for two days. You haven't showered. You haven't slept. You, your food was spoiled. Uh, ice storm out there. My internet cut out for 10 minutes. And I was like, my internet's out for 10 minutes. You're like, dude, I haven't had power for two days. <laughs> and again, I know that in 2024, anytime you complain about anything you got going on, someone's like, oh, do you know about what's going on over there? It's like, yeah, my I, uncle I, has pancreatic can't. Okay. Yeah, yep, we're not. Yep. We yep, get it. I get that it. I, I threw some salmon fillets out. I am not a veteran. I'm just simply saying that uh, we lost we, we, out in the Pacific Northwest storm coming. Uh, you kind of get a good taste of how the just the West Coast in general. I love it out here, but these people just aren't built for what oh. us Midwesterners are, are typically built for. No. So there's snow in the forecast, and then it was like, well, you better get to the grocery store on Friday. So you go to the grocery store on Friday, you load up on all the stuff, and then, yeah, you lose power. I lost power one minute before the kickoff of Browns-Texans, so I streamed the game through a hot spot and a candle, and then the power just never came back. And, and it's like pretty Blowing serious. out like, for Joe Flacco, by the way. Blow that candle out. <laughs> there's a there's 150-foot trees out here, like those Doug fir trees and stuff that are just on houses and power lines. It's been pretty messy, so... Lucky enough that we've stayed. I just bundled up. You know, you you learn what to do. You put your layers on. You sleep with four pairs of socks. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know. I watched Clippers Wolves via my cell phone using my wife's hotspot, so everything was like one D pixelated. But uh, I know they won, and I know that they looked. It was again for our running joke the win of the season. Uh, really impressive performance. Uh, and they're kind of back. I, what is it this Thursday, which will be the eighteenth. If they win on Wednesday against the Pistons, which they should, and I have some thoughts on that, uh, it'll be two months straight of being first place in the West, which is, again, hang the banner. Dude, hang the banner. I, I'm That's only like a legitimate like mildly <laughs> kidding, actually. Can we? Yeah. We should make a list of all the banners that we could be hanging right now. Okay. We've got we've got the two up there, you know, representing, you know, passed away Timberwolves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do we? I, I can't. I've asked this before, and I can't remember if we found an answer. And every time I go to Target Center, like I never think, oh, I should look up and see. Did we put a banner up for the 2003-2004 team? Did we win? Did we even? We won the yeah. They won the division because they were the one seed. Yeah, I think because there's a favorite thing on like Wolf's Twitter to like take a screenshot of what's going on up there and then add your banners. I I think anytime there's those memes popping up, there is a Western Conference Finals. Uh, participant <laughs> not winner but western conference finals participant banner from back then but uh, it's pretty bleak it's a lot of links championships which are well well earned and they should be up there and then like you said a, a couple um honorary of kind of like ghosts of timberwolves past and, and people that played here that passed away too soon so i'm i'm with you I, it's not some millennial participation trophy thing it's like hey what this team has sucked for a long time let's honor some cool stuff and on thursday if they make it two months hang uh, it, i think that, hang yeah it. hang it well, let's just go all in. Hang the banner. Thursday night. Let's do it. Free game ceremony. Get KG back. He, KG on, can, like, on, can like pull the rope to raise yep, the on banner. On TNT, yeah. right in front of Charles Barkley. I'm sure he'll <laughs> love that. Uh, yeah, one of their only nationally televised games is now all of a sudden maybe their worst opponent of the season. Uh, so, yeah, they've got... Well, let's let's we'll get to the Clippers game here. But uh, mm-hmm. the Wolves are, like you said, two months into being the number one seed in the Western Conference. They've got the one of the worst teams in NBA history coming up against the Pistons, yep. and then it's Thursday night, the home game on Thursday night against Memphis. So they do they do have the back to back, and it's weird because it's the second game. It's like the West Coast slot game, mm-hmm. but it's obviously between two Central Time Zone teams. So they're just going to throw a little Memphis Wolves game on nine o'clock tip off on Thursday night on TNT, uh, and then you got Oklahoma City who is right on your heels, but Charlotte, Washington, the Nets, the Spurs, another game against Oklahoma City. So, man, you can, especially if, if you take care of these games against bad teams and also beat Oklahoma City twice or split, you're going to be in a nice little position in two weeks from now, Kyle. Nice so, little position. pen and paper, because again, no power, did a little research. Uh, Tankathon 
has their tankathon.com has a really good setup for all this stuff. But basically, up until today, the Wolves had the second hardest schedule in the league. And there's like various the, to metrics. This point, like the games to this played. point, yep. Yep. Okay. Games played till this point, the Wolves had the second hardest schedule. From here moving forward, the rest of the season, they have the third easiest schedule, uh, so 28th most difficult. And that includes 10 games against the Spurs, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Pistons, and the Blazers. So I did this little spreadsheet on my my notebook, but they're 28 and 11. So I had like two ways to look at this, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this. They're 28 and 11 as of today. If they would go 8 and 2 against those 10 bad game teams or whatever, the bottom five teams in the league. And then just, this is kind of my bullish prediction, and then went 23 and 10 in the rest of the other games. So 10 games against the worst of the worst, then 33 remaining games, and you just take what their winning percentage is now, their clip, that would get them to 59 and 23, which would be the best record. Can we hang a hang a banner that says on pace for 59 and a half? Yeah, it makes some space. So Eight and two against those bad teams, and that's given up a couple losses against the Pistons. I mean, the Wolves have been pretty good this year and have solved their Achilles heel of, of playing bad teams. Um, that's pretty aggressive. That's like the, the bullish prediction. If they, at 28 and 11, go six and four over those 10 games against the worst of the worst, and then just play 500 basketball in those other 33 games against the Thunder, against middling teams, against good teams, that would get them to 50 and 32. So it just kind of reiterates again, it's kind of a difference, right? That's kind of like the bearish prediction. So there's this, they could probably go 50 and 32 if the season just kind of balances out, or if they continue to play the way that they looked against the Clippers, the way they've looked for most of this regular season so far, 59 and 23. And even at 50 and 32, if you think worst case scenario, 500 ball the rest of the way, that would mean teams like Dallas or some of the teams that are like sixth, seventh, and eighth would have to win at like a 65% win clip just to catch them. So I think you're starting to see, and you will continue to see, chunks of four teams in the Western Conference. It's kind of 12 deep right now. I think the Lakers and Warriors are on the outside of the playing picture looking in. Uh, I think you'll start to see gaps building in between. I think we know who the four best teams right now in the West are. I think we know who the five through eight are. And then those bottom four, it's like, do the, do the Warriors blow it up? Or do they try to, you know gain talent to try to make a run in one of steps last year same with the lakers do they make a big trade so i just thought it was an interesting thing but yeah they have 10 games coming up most of them in january outside of the thunder twice this january schedule now is going to be probably more nerve-wracking than the easy game or the hard games because it's like pistons yeah wizards blazers like a bunch of times in february so it's gonna be fun and you you know it's kind of still in their dna a little bit it's not as much with conley now now you've almost had a full year of conley and and gobert too but it is still a little bit in their dna especially with anthony edwards and jay mcdaniels to kind of like take your foot off the gas in certain spots so yeah if you can if you can just eliminate these bad teams here just literally dust them like your goal should be Make sure Luca Garza, Josh Minot, and anybody else that's just like usually wearing a tracksuit on the end of the bench, that those guys play seven minutes a night on average in those games. That's what I want to see. I, I want to see a game where Anthony Edwards doesn't even play in the fourth quarter at some point, mm-hmm. and Luca Garza gets a double double in garbage time. That that should be the goal. It's like get Garza a double double in the fourth quarter garbage time. And in Finch's defense, and a little bit of housekeeping here. They did a pretty good job against the Blazers the other night. They were 16-point favorites, which is wild for NBA standards. And what? They won 116-93. Even that. They're up by like 32 points in the third quarter. There's only so much, right? Like, I know that the Blazers had just come off getting beat by 60. That That's so rare. Like, a 23-point win is like we handled them the most times. I'm sure there was criticism and stuff. But having watched an extended amount in that fourth quarter of Josh Minot and Leonard Miller— Two guys I'm very, very high on still, and I think they have bright futures for this organization. Uh, Leonard Miller is not the easy replacement for Kyle Anderson. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I think those guys need a lot more seasoning <laughs> and a lot more marinating than just throwing them into the best best team in the Western Conference. I thought they did some good things, but you can't just... I've kind of flipped over the weekend without power and having... Looking internally, uh, Kyle Anderson's probably going to be here for the long haul, at least the rest of this season. Oh. He does way too many things. He is way too important for this team. Uh, I don't think Leonard Miller is ready yet to step into Kyle's 
size 14 shoes. I'm making a note. I have to bring up a piece of reckless speculation from the scoop session with Doogie. I just finished today. listening to it, so I know you're good. But... Okay, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. What was your favorite thing about the Wolves' win over the Clippers? Let's go down that path. I'll, I'll start real quick by telling you the Clippers were one of the teams that helped set the narrative for Rudy Gobert teams in Utah. The Clippers put put that Jazz team starting in like game three. Didn't they, I think the Jazz had a 2-0 lead in that series three years back, whatever yeah, it was. I, yeah, like I think so. Mm-hmm. And then the Clippers played small. They played five out. There was a game where like Terrence Mann scored 45 points or something ridiculous. And Rudy Gobert, the narrative was like, oh, you can't really play him in the playoffs against teams that can play small ball. Mm-hmm. But then a bunch of way smarter people than me went on YouTube and did film breakdowns. And we're like, okay, yeah, like like obviously there's a couple spots where it's hard for him to you know, get out to his guy in the corner. But look at these other atrocious perimeter defenders that are like giving up the first resistance. And then all of a sudden, like it's Rudy that looks bad on the back end. And that game against it's one game. I totally get it. And it's a different Clippers roster than it was a few years ago. And this is a different Timberwolves roster. But the thing I love the most about it is the Clippers have the ability. They got a bunch of like interchangeable, really good sort of swing pieces. Right. And it would be easy if the Wolves had the same roster construction as the Jazz did a few years ago. It's like Rudy and then a bunch of dudes that like can't guard the perimeter to play Rudy off the court. But that's not what happened because the Timberwolves have guys that can play clamps on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a really fun blueprint of, oh, if this was a seven-game series and the Clippers were going to try and go small or just use their switchability and their interchangeability to to put Rudy in a spot where he might look bad, the Wolves have a counter to that. And it's mm-hmm. Jaden McDaniels and it's Anthony Edwards and Kyle Anderson. So that was like that was a really encouraging game from a playoff standpoint. And again, there's going to be adjustments in a seven-game series, but I loved that they did that against the Clippers. Yeah, their best win of the season coming into this weekend, in my mind, was that Celtics win at home. The Celtics were down a couple guys like Derek White, but they basically took their strength against the Celtics' strength. And rosters that are built similarly with size and defense and just length and all that stuff and shot-making, and the Wolves just went toe-to-toe and beat them. The Clippers... We're supposed to have Zubac in that game, and then he was like a late scratch after the game had yep. started, which is a weird thing and another topic for another day. But So they basically just had to immediately go small. They played Daniel Tice. But I thought that was the best win in the season because they went up against a team that the Wolves are trying to zag while some of the league still zigs a little bit, and they're leaning into size and two bigs and all this stuff. And the Clippers basically play five guards. Uh, and I thought it was just a really impressive performance. One of the words I wrote down was crisp. I mean, I just think the whole game, there, there's just ebbs and flows in any game. You're just almost always going to give up an 8-0 run, a 10-0 run. But there was no point in that game where I ever thought the Wolves were, I mean, even before the game, it was like the Wolves were plus one and then it moved to minus one right before the tip. Just they never really were in doubt. Their their rotations were amazing. There was cool moments in that game too, like our friend Jake Painting does howls and growls. He did like an eight-minute video on the defense, but at like the seven-minute mark, if you go look at Jake's video on YouTube, uh, it was late in the game. They are all running around on defense, making these switches. They force a bad shot, and then no one really goes for the rebound. Rudy, Ant, and uh, Mike don't go for the rebound. And it goes out of bounds, and Kyle Anderson immediately points at Ant and kind of like calls him out, but in like a mentor leadership way of like, hey, that has to be your rebound. So even in a late-game situation, which is they're still, you know, they got a little tight, I think they were up 12 with a couple minutes left, and then it got down to four or five. But even in those late-game situations, you got guys like Mike, you got guys like Kyle that are providing really good leadership. Yes. And then also, too, so what was my biggest takeaway? I really actually thought, sincerely, it was the win of the year because it was two contrasting styles. Two, I mean, Ty Lue is one of the best coaches in the league. The Clippers came out kind of wanting to win that game. Um, and Jaden's length on Kawhi, Ant's physicality on Paul George. Uh, everyone's so worried, like you said, can Rudy Gobert play in the playoffs? I think it's 50. I think it's as important to ask that as it is. Can you play Russell Westbrook in the playoffs? Because they stayed way off him. Yeah. And my last thing was, it's kind of all jumbled, but we preach self-awareness on this podcast. 
and I'm kind of a Westbrook guy because I oh. enjoy. No, no, hear me out. Hear me out. I enjoy what he brings to a game that he he plays. Right, you got a lot of these stars that don't play. Yeah. He gives it his effort. I respect that part. There is not a less self-aware athlete in the NBA than Russell Westbrook because I watched Thank the you. video of him sitting on the baseline on the bench trolling Rudy Gobert who airballs two free throws, right? And he is making fun of him and the whole bench is laughing at him. This is the same man that has pouted publicly in press conferences about being called Westbrook, okay, for his lack of shooting ability to then be making fun of someone else. And then at the end of the game, Grady and Jim were so on it. Russell Westbrook goes to the lane, left side of the layup, uses right hand, misses it, game over. Just chef's kiss of lack of <laughs> okay. self-awareness. So take that L. Dude, that's another banner, dude. Let's <laughs> the most self-aware of, team in the league. The, the most self-aware team in the league, and then uh, another one that's just a picture of Russell Westbrook with his head tilted, his shoulders slumped after missing what would have been an empty calories layup yep. in an empty calories career, by the way. And it, a, a fun ranking sometime would be who are the most, like the biggest empty calories, high-profile players in sports. And you know that I would probably yeah. put my guy Kirk Cousins on that <laughs> list for throwing for 4,000 yards every year, making $250 million and winning one playoff game. But Russell Westbrook, just a quick side street here. He, uh, I like him in that he's entertaining to watch. And if you're just going for entertainment, he's going to Tasmanian devil his way mm-hmm. to like, in his prime anyways, to like 31 points and 14 rebounds and 12 assists. And his teammates are going to be in no position to like be part of the game because they're just going to be cold the whole time. But has a player ever put up that many statistics and done so little in terms of actually impacting winning at a high level? Like he has come, I think he's only come close to a championship when saddled with James Harden and Russell and um, Kevin Durant at the same time, right? That's the only time they went to the finals. So anytime, and then he like, the fact that he complains about people are saying Westbrook, it's like, dude, yeah, you nailed it, man. Like the least self-aware player, and it was absolute great symbolism. And he missed that layup at the end. <laughs> and to go a little further, because I finally got to rewatch the game, and there, that was the best rewatchable game, too. I think there's a ton of just like single possessions, you can get an idea of how much this team flies around on defense and how well they communicate and like break up a team's initial action that they're trying to run. But yeah, so Rudy gets fouled, airballs those two free throws, viral video of Westbrook not even watching the second one. Everyone's laughing. Then with, I think it's 538 mark of the fourth quarter, uh, Westbrook misses a shot. Rudy gets the rebound. Westbrook hacks him, trying to send him to the foul line. And Rudy goes to shoot two. Great Anthony Edwards leadership moment. There's video on it. Like he's in the background talking smack to Ty Lue in the bench. Then he comes up, starts like a, a Rudy chant, cheering him on, cheering him on. Rudy hits the first one and Ant loses his mind. Like he, it's just like the Jaden McDaniels thing I posted yeah. a couple of months ago. Like he, he is aware in the moment of what his teammates need. And I think he and the rest of this team knows that for multiple reasons, some off the court, some on the court, that Rudy's just. One of those guys that NBA Twitter just loves to rip on. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's, you know, like Draymond, because you probably know Rudy's not going to defend himself or do anything. But it was cool to see Ant, even on the second free throw that Rudy misses, there's an awesome baseline view of as Rudy's about to shoot the free throw, Ant's mimicking his shot shot form. And he's like, oh, he's going to make it. He missed it. But they trusted Rudy Gobert. He was great in the fourth quarter when they needed him most. Carl talked about it after the game. Like, we trust Rudy to make those free throws. So... Wasn't Just a, Ant also at one point, I think I saw a clip ooh, yep. of him. He was in the ear of Kawhi Leonard calling him, I can't say the whole he thing. Was, he said that canceled. Kawhi is it. old. Yeah. Let's say that. Um, but we'll he, was, it there. he was great. I mean, again, the the wings that we talk about all the time, the 22-year-old, the 23-year-old, they've had good games, they've had bad games. Ant's had late turnovers. Jaden's had really bad production. But as much as it was cool to watch them go toe-to-toe with like a, a Jason Tatum and a, a Jalen Brown, uh, a potential comp for them. Another comp, you know, if things go right, is a Paul George and a Kawhi Leonard on the wing, and Ant and Jaden gave them fits. They were great. And then everyone else just kind of around him, uh, starting with Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson, just a really, really great performance in a game that the Wolves got up for. Uh, we know now that they can beat the best of the best. They've beaten the Clippers. They've beaten the Lake or uh, the Celtics. But starting on Wednesday, starting the rest of this month, can they bring that same level of attention and detail to the teams that have four wins. 
Yep. And uh, they they did against Portland. So that's great. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Portland thing, you know, God, coming off that Boston game, too, where it turned out to be this sort of emotionally draining game, even though you were you were kind of punting by resting mm-hmm. Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. And and you and then you had the one day off, you play Portland and just to come out. And, and that's a game, too, where Portland technically is an NBA team, even though they have a bunch of young guys who don't know nothing about what they're doing. Like you said, Portland scored 77 points the night before on a back to back and got beat by like 65. Mm-hmm. So you thought, boy, they're going to show some sort of pride and pulse and to come in and just squash them out of the gate. You know, don't hang a banner for beating <clears throat> Portland, but. They've shown, I think, more focus and maturity in these games against really bad teams. Rudy, by the way, is just God. He's and he's not even a hundred percent healthy because he's he's clearly dealing with like is it like a hip issue right now? Yeah, um, going back to the Boston inactive. But if you go back the last like three weeks, so the week leading up to the last week in December and the first two weeks in January, he had that kind of clunker game. Let me find a, a good breaking point for this. Uh, he had kind of a clunker game against Philadelphia. They 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 lost that game at Philadelphia, uh, and he just that was the game where I think Joel Embiid shot like 152 free throws and just kind of a train wreck. Since that game against Philadelphia, 12 games for Rudy Gobert, 15 points, 13 rebounds on 70 percent field goals. So he's averaging 15 points on eight shots. <laughs> Let that sink in for a second. Yeah, just just marinate on that for a sec. Couple of blocks and uh, his fouls are only two and a half fouls per game, so his fouls have come down too in the last few. Like he just even even if he's not one hundred percent healthy, he's just he's such a different player than he was a year ago. He is in a lot of the things that like the stats I just read off don't account for how many never minds, how many mm-hmm. times does he train wreck something before it even gets started. Uh, and I also love, too, that as he remains still kind of a punchline for opposing teams, like you mentioned, and for, like, NBA Twitter, that Timberwolves fans and players, it's, it's dude, it's it's 180 degrees from last year where people were, like, he was getting booed for mm-hmm. a little bit there mm-hmm. early in the year. I feel like people have rallied around him among the fan base and the roster, and uh, it's just... Who would have thought, dude, a year ago that this that this would be where they're at and where he's at in terms of a beloved figure of the franchise? Some people don't love how much we talk about me specifically. Some people don't love me in general, but how much we talk about like the mental side of it or just the the aspect of sports that you cannot measure via a subscription to some online stats database. And this is the most telling point. What is the real difference between last year's team and this year's team? I mean, I guess you can say Mike Conley came in at the deadline and stuff, but he was here for some of those games. The simple difference is that Rudy Gobert just finds himself more comfortable and healthier with the people around him. John Krasinski wrote after that Clippers game a really good article, and he highlighted who the wing players were when Rudy was at his best in Utah. It was Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Bogdanovich, and Ingles. All those guys are real sieves on defense yeah so it was designed to just filter everything and funnel it to rudy and then just like hey fix it solve all our problems uh this team is completely different they they can put rudy out on i mean they did it multiple times against the clippers have rudy out on a wing isolated he's not as concerned about protecting the rim because he knows that jade mcdaniels who is maybe the best wing rim defender in the league is behind him or that he's got ant on his side like their ability to kind of switch at times one through five, especially when Kyle's out there, uh, is phenomenal. Do you have any other Rudy stuff? Because I have a random Mike Conley stat porn that I think no, you're just going to love. I also have Mike Conley stat porn. Okay, oh, we saw we saw great. the same tweet. Hit it. No, we didn't. Oh, because mine's well. not from a tweet. Mine okay. is mine's a different angle, but this is great. So, on Twitter at NBA University, one of just the best accounts you can follow. Uh, they just have respect for guys that can ball, and they know Mike Conley can ball. So this Mike Conley, this is a tweet, is one of the best shooters in the league. This season, here are his stats from all over the court. He is shooting 46% from three. He is shooting 60% from the corner. 44% on pull-up threes. 47% on catch-and-shoot threes. Wow. And 94% free throw. Now, if you want to be a pessimist... At some point, he's going to have to retire. <laughs> so they're going to need to figure out that 
you know, who is the next in the lineage of helpful point guards alongside Anthony Edwards. I don't think they have to worry about that now. I think they will re-sign Mike Conley and just figure out the dollars down the road. But he's shooting 46% from three and 60% from the corners. And honestly, that pull-up percentage I thought was low. Because when he decides in transition to take a three it's in transition, it's cash. And it's that trade, we don't need to talk about it anymore, but we can if you want, was just amazing. It was just an amazing trade to get not only a better starting point guard and a one-for-one swap, D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, but then to get all the intangibles that an Akeel can bring as kind of a smaller Jaden. Uh, and then some of those assets for a team that is so strapped from an asset standpoint, to f- carve out three second-round picks, use one to get Leonard Miller, all that stuff. Uh, I don't know, man. If we're going to hang banners, I mean, how many more games before we can retire Mike Conley's number? Can we can we do it in season? Just I, during I think, the game? I, I think no. Let's wait for the first round of the playoffs. Let's do okay. let's do it for game for game one. Throw that okay. Banner up. Yeah. Okay. I also have some Mike Conley stat porn here. I thought today would be a good day. It's been a few weeks since we've done the lineup combinations check-in. Oh, just to I see love you. this. Okay. What's working and what isn't. So uh, three, you can do two-man combos. We could do five-man combos. By the way, on the five-man combos, so just like five-man lineups that are on the court, um, the starting five is a plus eight points per 100 possessions. So it's with, uh, starting five being Conley, Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards, Gobert, McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns. So when those five guys are on the court, they outscore opponents over the course of the entire season so far by eight points per 100 possessions. That was in question for many of their five, the D'Lo versions and then the Conley versions last year. There's really no doubt when those five guys are on the court, the Wolves are going to, I mean, you saw it even in that Portland game, right? Where it's like, oh, a 35 point leads down to 22. Boom. Put those five guys back in back to a 30 point lead or whatever it was. But on the three man lineup combinations, the top four three-man lineup combinations for the Wolves all involve Mike Conley. And these are these are combinations that have played at least 250 minutes together. So we're looking for some sample size here, right? Can you guess the number one Wolves lineup combination of, of three-man lineups? Uh, so Conley, I gave you one third. Yeah, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, yep. and Jane McDaniels. Let's see, that one's, that one's, that's a pretty good one, but... That's the fourth best one. Okay, that you just named. Yep. It, but is so in this number one one, it's Mike and then Rudy's in there too. Yep, it's Mike, Rudy, and then somebody else. Ant. I don't no, think that that's that's the second best three man lineup combination. That's a plus sixteen points per one hundred. Okay, my original thought when I know people think I'm cheating was going to say is it Mike, Rudy, and Kyle. It's not Mike Rudy okay, and good. Kyle because then no. that would have that would have broken my uh, narrative. I wanted. By to the way, about. Mike Mike Rudy and Jaden is a plus eleven points per one hundred possessions. Damn, it's gonna suck when they trade him. So who's number one? Nikhil. Ah, okay. When, yeah, yeah. This is this is so when Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and Rudy Gobert are on the court at the same time together, which has been for two hundred sixty six minutes and five seconds this year. The Timberwolves are a plus 20 points per 100 possessions. Another banner. Oh, my God. Dang it. I, I, I don't know. There's not enough time to talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker because he just falls down the totem pole. of You got to talk about Ant. You got to talk about Carl. You got to talk about starting five. I thought, like, oh, is he having, like, the best season ever? And then I went and, like, looked at his basketball reference page. He's not really. He's shooting 35% from three. Last year he shot 36. 40% was his high mark. Oh, at the Jazz. Uh but everything he does is just, even when he does the silly things, like behind-the-back passes that make Finch lose hair, he just, he fights around screens so much. That's one of the core competencies of this team is their, mm-hmm. again, go watch like a Howls and Growls video, is their ability to fight around screens. You would be shocked at how much effort that takes, but also the benefit of just doing so. It just breaks up so many things that offenses try to do, but... I just I love watching the kill play. I also love and I have no idea if he manually makes them or if he gets them from somewhere. But like the one leg spandex or the one leg sleeve is fire. Look. I just I, I would try to do pull that off just at work in general. I don't know if he like gets Nike spandex and cuts one of the sleeves or what, but it's a it's a phenomenal look. That's my yeah, analysis. Does he does he, does he have just like a trainer? He probably gets like a shipment of. Do you think those guys wear the same like undergear twice? Or if you're if you're like an NBA player, are you wearing the same 
you know, like leg sleeve twice, or are you throwing that thing? We got to get Jim on on the on the pod and just ask him a lot of equipment issues and questions. But uh, I would, I mean, <clears throat> you know, they wear shoes or different shoes all the time. I also wonder that too. Like, how do you? Some guys in the league legitimately do wear a new pair of shoes every game. I don't know how you don't get blisters from that. Is, yeah. Am I aging myself? Like, I, I no, like to have a little worn in pair of shoes. Uh, but I would imagine they probably have a large supply of of underwear and spandex. Yeah, we can uh, we can check in and we will get Jim Pete. I was yeah, we'll, we'll get down to that and get back to you. I was uh, I think we we probably could have had him on today, but I dropped the ball on a Tuesday came up fast, so I think maybe we'll aim for Thursday if if he's open. But that's also a game day on a back to back, so we'll get him it on. might be a next week. We didn't know if we'd have power today, so we're just happy yeah. that this is still running. <laughs> exactly. it, well, we're, dude, we're thirty minutes in. You still have power. I still have internet. Another banner. <laughs> Hang it. Um, Getting a little uh, busy up there. One more thing on the lineup combination. So yeah. two-man combinations are interesting, too, because you can. It's, it's a lot of sample size. Now, there's some other factors, too, in play. But, uh, but the number one pairing, the number one two-man lineup combo for the Timberwolves is Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards. When those guys are on the court together as an organized backcourt playing perfectly off each other, you've got pass-first, organizer, point guard. You've got this dynamic offensive shooting guard. You've got this adult in the room, 37-year-old wily veteran and this young, bright-eyed, enthusiastic. Like, it's such a perfect yin and yang. It's a plus 14 points per 100. The second-best two-man lineup pairing is Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert at 13.5 points per 100. Uh, Ant and Nas Reed are third. Ant and Rudy Gobert are fourth, which is a great development because there was questions last year much like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Boy, can these guys coexist? Does Anthony Edwards even look for Gobert on lobs? Um, you know, can they can they build chemistry together? The answer is yes, unequivocally. But maybe the most important one as we check back in, the fifth best pairing for the Timberwolves is Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. It's a plus 11 points per 100. Again, plus 11 points per 100 possessions. It was a negative yep. last season, regular season, and playoffs combined. And that still mm. should be, because now you're starting to talk about a lot of metrics, right? Like, what is it like when the two young cornerstones, Ant and Jaden, are out there? What's it like when you have kind of the old guard in Mike and Rudy and, and Kyle? Uh, but this is still this experiment, while many layers and many arms and legs or whatever, it's still about can you make Carl and Rudy work? Because if that doesn't work, all the other stuff might work, but it's not as, as important. And yes. those guys have worked more than anyone, myself, yourself included. So uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal season. I don't know. Okay. We have, uh, we have a question from the comment section we'll get to, and then a little reckless speculation after we shout out our friends at First Equity Mortgage. Mm. Uh, so a few years ago, I had an amazing experience refinancing my home. It was mm. a, a condo in Minneapolis. Uh, with David over at First Equity Mortgage. By the way, David is a huge Timberwolves fan. Like, literally sits, like, courtside seats, and dude goes to all the games. Uh, I saw I saw pictures on his Instagram from a couple nights ago. So First Equity Mortgage is a Minnesota-based, 24 years in the market uh, mortgage company. They pride themselves on supporting the community and treating every customer as a friend and neighbor. Uh, yeah, 20-year season ticket holder, by the way, for uh, Timberwolves and Lynx. David. So he's definitely one of us. Uh, not only did I have a great experience with First Equity a few years back, but uh, First Equity has handled home loans for 20 of my coworkers and friends over the past decade or so. They work fast. They have a great reputation in the community and industry. And uh, David specifically, he won't say this, but I'll say it for him. David has been recognized as one of the top 1% loan originators in the country for the past 15 years. It's femort.com. That's femort.com. Or go to scorenorth.com and type in the keyword David to find out more about First Equity Mortgage. Also, our friends at Zero Res are helping you deep clean your homes here. How many of you Flagrant House listeners, you grimy, dirty <laughs> listeners, have never deep cleaned your carpets, never deep cleaned your air ducts, okay? You just, like, soon move out of your house before you you know, shine a light on what's really happening in those carpets. So Zero Res can come in here with a 4.9 rating out of five stars on Google with 17,000 reviews, and they will deep clean for you. The Scornorth special is what you got to ask for. It's three rooms, Zero Resified, 
starting at just $119. And this month, you can take $75 off when you get your air ducts clean, too. So <clears throat> breathe in that fresh air and uh, have a clean house to start 2024. Say you want the Score North special, 9520res or 0resminnesota.com. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero res. That's really important, by the way, because <clears throat> living somewhere where snow flurries have caused an apocalypse, uh, my <laughs> wife and I have never been more determined to move back to where our roots are and move back to Minnesota. So now I have a place to get my mortgage. And then as soon as I get in, I'm going to have them power clean the place. So, dude, it is thanks amazing. to the sponsors. As you've been in Portland for a while, I was in Seattle for a couple years. And I'm, I remember like two or three different times. And I always used to make fun, in fairness, I would make fun of the Pacific Northwesters. Like, you guys. You guys it just, it snowed a little bit. Like you guys mm -hmm. are freaking out. We're from Minnesota, but there's a lot of like hills and <laughs> Seattle's crazy. And stuff. So you can't plow like a 45 degree angle side street. So yep. you just have to wait for the snow to melt or the ice to melt. But the, the problem is the power lines will freeze mm -hmm. and it'll, and like they'll stay frozen for two or three days or a week. And you're just like at the mercy of when it warms up or the next time it rains. And so like power outages where you live are super common unfortunately and and i'm not a i'm not i don't know if it's a geologist i'm not a geologist but uh when i was a living in north dakota something i'm i'm not smart uh but when i was living in north dakota i remember someone visited from the pacific northwest when i was younger and they're like man you have no trees here and i always remember being like you're an idiot like there's a tree there and there's a tree there so even in minnesota where there are far more trees there's just not as many trees as there are out here there's trees everywhere in these forests, and again, those trees fall on the power lines. You run out of power, therefore, yeah. you're watching the wolves on your cell phones. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, but I love it out here. It's just they they don't deal well with, um, literally a snow flurry that may touch the ground. It is what hey, it is. We can uh, if this if this becomes a reality at some point, we can do like obviously a full deep dive. But on the scoop today, Minnesota mm. Sports with Mackie and Judd, scoring on the YouTube channel. Doogie comes on every Tuesday or Thursday for some some fun speculation, some inside information. And he said, hey, before we wrap the podcast, literally it was like at the end of the podcast, he goes, I have a Wolves thing I just want to run by you because I was texting with a capologist friend of mine. He goes, he, he floated this and I'm just going to put it out there. So the Warriors are obviously struggling. The Warriors are right now, the Warriors are the 12 seed in the Western Conference at the halfway point here. They've played 40 games, so they've, they're one game away from that halfway point. They're four games under 500. They've lost their last two. Defensively, they're giving up 118 points per game. They're just like, they're nowhere near contending. Even if they get hot, I don't know. Are they going to, like if the Wolves and Warriors played each other in a seven game series, it would be maybe a gentleman sweep in five, but probably a sweep. Well, they got Chris Paul, who's once again injured. He's got a, he's got a bad hand or something. I think he's going to be reevaluated in two or three weeks is the latest news. And Doogie said, at some point, the Warriors are probably going to say, you know what, uh, Chris Paul's contract for next year is not guaranteed. So that could essentially be an expiring contract of like, what is it like? Is it $40 million? Let me find this real quick. It's crazy. So yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's near $40 million. And so that could be it's 30. It's $30 million. Okay. But a $30 million expiring contract because it's not guaranteed for next year until June something or another could be a really valuable chip. So a team could look to acquire that contract and then buy him out mm -hmm. sometime in the next few months. Well, the Wolves are not a second apron luxury tax team yet. And there are teams on the second apron that would probably like to have Chris Paul coming out for 20, 25 minutes that wouldn't be able to sign him based on NBA rules. If Chris Paul for league minimum hit the buyout market, would you be interested in him as a backup to Mike Conley down the stretch? If your answer, and I know, like I get it. If your answer isn't a thousand percent yes, what are we doing? Because I'm with you, by the way. I'm in. Because that, and he doesn't solve everything. Like Dane and I always talk about what do you want the most? Do you want a backup point guard? Do you want like a movement shooter? or maybe just like a volume three-point shooter or, you know, just another wing defender. You can never really have enough of those. The Clippers were a great example. You know, if Jaden gets a bad whistle again or just does dumb Jaden stuff, now you're kind of down a guy. Um, Nikhil can only guard such big guys or, you know, such tall guys. But he would solve so much because you would then be able to trust that second unit 
and Chris Paul can space the floor. I don't know what he's shooting this year specifically. It's I know it's down, but it's he's thirty six percent from three, forty two percent overall. So still, you know, not terrible, not terrible. I I, I think the best part of Do- Doogie's take was just I, I've said this multiple times on this pod. I have a friend in the Blazers front office, and we talk and we hang out, but. The they were very he was saying very much like they they're going to be very active in in the buyout market and that's kind of common sense because they don't have a lot to trade like if you're not going to do the Kyle Anderson trade who has what I think he's making ten million he's an expiring then it's like shake at five and then just all your young guys who make mm-hmm. you know one point three million or whatever so he, that's what happens it's it's weird we're not used to this I'm not used to this I don't even know how to talk about it like the Wolves don't enter March and be a team that's like sexy and fun and recruiting but i think that might be an untapped part of tim conley he whatever you think about the rudy gobert trade which now it looks a little different he is a master like player relations type person and i would imagine you get him hell maybe a rod you get these people recruiting these buyout guys i mean there's other guys too right like maybe alec burks or maybe maybe monty morris just gets bought out or gordon hayward i mean there's guys that fit and there's guys that don't but I would be shocked. I think the biggest move they will make between now and the end of the regular season is a buyout guy because that's just an easier way to acquire an asset for a team that, again, is pretty strapped financially and assets-wise. So maybe they make maybe they move Shake for just a different, a different Shake, chocolate for vanilla or something, chocolate for strawberry. But when it comes to the buyout market, I mean, Chris Paul would solve so many issues. And not only does he solve your backup point guard, we just went over how good Mike Conley's been, and I'm always concerned of, like, what if Mike missed a playoff game? Well, you know Chris Paul can come in and start, yeah. uh, and that would be a big a big thing, too. So if you're trying to make a long run, you got to have insurance for some of your starters, and I can't think of a better insurance policy than State Farm's own Chris Paul. It would Mike be Conley. a blast. I mean, obviously, like, if you could— ever make it happen with a Tyus Jones, but we've kind of gone over the reasons why that's super unlikely. You're right, dude, the buyout market and Doogie brought up too. like, yeah, Mike, Mike Conley has, there's some like bonus escalators that could actually put the wolves closer to the second apron than they would want to be. Mm -hmm. So the buyout market's going to be something to watch. I mean, Doug McDermott's another guy, I mean, totally different asset than a Chris Paul in terms of what he would bring to your team. But Man, if you could snap your fingers and have Chris Paul for a stretch run, and now all of a sudden you've cornered the market on grizzled, savvy, 37-year-old, in Chris Paul's case, 38-year-old point guards, if he could just stay healthy for five minutes. Uh, but the pressure would be way off him. I feel like in Phoenix, like they needed him to win mm-hmm. a championship. They needed him to be like actual Chris Paul for 30 minutes a night, even in the playoffs, and he just couldn't do it. That's not what you would need here. You would need, right. hey, can you can you come in for like a chunk in the first half and a chunk in the second half and just play like 18 to 20 minutes total and be Chris Paul? And, and again, we have no reference point for this because no one has ever signed with the Minnesota Timberwolves in March trying to win a title, right? It's all usually if you sign <laughs> a 10-day or a rest-of-the-season contract with the Minnesota Timberwolves, you are trying to be on random wolf of the week you're not trying to be in a title contender. So Chris Paul or anyone else that gets bought up will have multitude of people to sign with. Obviously the Celtics and all the teams that are in the top in the West. And maybe those guys look for roles over, you know, yeah. maybe he just wants more minutes. Maybe he wants to start. Uh, but I think the buyout market's going to be crazy. And I think between now, I think it's three and a half weeks until the trade deadline. You're going to start to see teams. I mean, I watched the, the Warriors the other night lose to a Grizzlies team that had a roster for guys I just didn't know because they oh. are so injured. So there will be teams that are like, well, they're kind of good or they're, they're fighting. They'll just pull the cord and, and drop out of the race. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating. So yeah, buyout market, keep those notifications on for Woj and Shams. Cause it's going to start to pick up here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap this episode, let's uh, dive into the comment section here where uh, you have one that you'd like to bring to the table. That's it. 44 minutes in for uh, Wolves analysis for today. I know we'll be back on Thursday, maybe with a guest. The Wolves do play now what? The Pistons on Wednesday. Early tip for those in the central time zone. It's a 6 o'clock game. And then Thursday, a late tip at home against the Grizzlies team. Uh, but again, I just wanted to get your pick your brain on this. So this is a little business talk. As much as I like talking Wolves, I really love talking business, sports business. So if you are into that stuff, but we had a comment. I don't need to say who it was. But I saw this on YouTube, and I'm curious for your take 
He said, I wish there was a way that you guys could give your podcast without having to push gambling and alcohol. I understand, but really, the two main causes destroying our environment are alcohol and gambling, which I would probably push back a little bit. I don't think Pino and parlays are what ruining the earth. Um, but again, not to get political. But yeah, they're, uh, they're destroying the environment, our alcohol and gambling, which is exactly what you guys seem to talk about nonchalantly, like it's completely normal, it's not. Or at least it shouldn't be. I, think, I thank you for what you guys do, but I just wish you would stop pushing that. So I wanted to comment first because I enjoy both those things. Try to always stress doing well, them. And I will say it, we, we don't push. By the way, there's a, and this is a whole side street, but if he's talking about like prize picks and mm-hmm. underdog, which are mm-hmm. two great partners for us at Score North, those are different than like sports book gambling. Like yep. there's a level of legality that is not open yet in the state of Minnesota. And these sort of pick them more or less fantasy games, underdog and, and prize picks. Those are different. Those are like fully open and legal. And so I guess, I guess are you, is he asking that we sort of play like moral police officer above what's legal in the state of Minnesota and beyond? That's right. I don't think that's our responsibility. And again, this is just kind of behind the scenes for those that like to listen to stuff. I love listening to stuff. I'm probably a little more guilty of that. I do try to, again, all analysis aside, I do try to come on this or Dane's pot and just kind of be the authentic me. Uh, I enjoy red wine. I enjoy occasionally dabbling on the prize picks and stuff, but I understand that, that can be a lot for people. But it also ties back into a large, we just did two ad reads for two of the greatest local companies that are really supportive. Uh, this is a rant for the summer, a conversation for summer. I don't believe you should do anything for free. So I, and it's, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth because I got into this industry, Phil, writing for free as a blogger. But as the world becomes more expensive and everywhere, I mean, again, rightfully or wrongfully, it's, there's tipping culture and you're, you're just getting pulled in so many directions now. Uh, I got to make money doing this. This is my lunch break every Tuesday and Thursday. I got to find a way to make this valuable for me. So you do partner with good companies. And sometimes on Dane's Pod, it's a brewery, it's a, a prize picks or whatever. But, you know, it's always... Yes, moderate, right? Moderate anything you do. If if you're going to get a home mortgage from our buddy, like don't get four of them. Yeah, do it in moderation. That's yeah, and that's your responsibility as a human, not my response. And, that's where I get tripped up on. And, this. and I respect again. I respect the comment. I do still. I know if you're a younger person trying to come up in this, it's always like, oh, don't read the comments, don't read the comments. I wane back and forth because it's like I enjoy the comments. I've learned a lot. The YouTube comments are typically filled with people that are making me smarter. So I appreciate. Literally yeah, everyone have, that comments, we great, but we have great commenters, yeah. but I just, I, I try to go back and forth. Like sometimes, you know, if I'm entertaining, you're not even me. Cause this is a score North thing. You have so many good pods. There is this line that I don't know. And I'm working through and I have, I try to stress mental health and therapy and, and volunteering stuff. But if I am, or anyone is providing you a product or a service for free, I don't know how much say you have in it. Because I have ne- I, my goal, and you have been my mentor in this, I will never talk Timberwolves behind a paywall. I get that some do, but I just want people to be able to consume my podcast, my writing, sure. whatever, my tweets for free so they can have more money to do all the other stuff they want to do. But in that comes kind of a delineation of, you know, you can't really tell me what to do. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like I think, oh, man, there's so many. I feel like we could do this for two hours and have this conversation. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, we provide ad supported content mm-hmm. and you're right. We could, could we go by we, I mean, score North flag on house. It could also be like the, the industry, the industry. And we, we've talked about this too, is trying to figure out how do you keep producing content on a regular basis is the best way to go straight to the consumer and say, Hey, uh, X amount of dollars per month, or is it ad supported um, right now, we are ad supported pretty much exclusively across Score North and a lot of other content networks are radio stations, whatever it may be, TV stations. Right. So for like from our perspective, as we are building a business over the past few years, we're not going to we're not going to partner with companies that are pushing illegal pro- like products. So we let the legal system sort of set the moral compass. And there's a ton of listeners that are interested in mortgages. There's a ton of interest uh, listeners that are interested in beer. There's a ton of listeners that are interested in going on price picks or underdog and selecting, I think, 
Lamar Jackson's going to throw for more than this amount of yards, right? And I think if anyone, ha- if there's, if there's like sort of a problematic nature to any of those things, then uh, I think there is some personal responsibility too. Maybe I don't know. I guess we're we're running a company, and so and, and that's, that's my the, that, that's, that's my answer. Maybe to the, the one thing again. <laughs> the analysis ended at forty four minutes, uh, but Dane and I and Phil meet almost once a week. Like we're talking business stuff. Mm-hmm. Dane does. Dane has an apartment and lives and has a you know a, a relationship and food because it's his job. He has to make money. There is a weird part still about content and sports related content that people don't want to pay for, and I get that. And that's why if you like me and some don't, it'll always be for free. I will never charge you a dollar. But that does not mean I'm not going to come on here trying to make money because everyone else listening to this, whatever you're doing, you're trying to make money. You got a side hustle. Uh, I would love to get a mortgage. Right, the cost of housing has a spoiler alert gone up a little bit so i wish i would have bought a house when i was a seventh grader at south middle school but i didn't (laughs) i bought cookie dough bites and now look at me now so again i respect the comment it's it does open up a can of worms you know in my hometown there's a humane society that if they offered to sponsor this podcast at the same rate that prize picks does i would choose the humane society but they're trying to raise money right now because they're going under and they can't even pay their employees so sometimes we have to balance what's available but we always try to do it in, in taste. And again, if you do ever ba- gamble or you do anything, you should do it in moderation, drinking, whatever, eating. You should see what I didn't eat in moderation this week. It was just <laughs> six bags of honey yeah. mustard dots pretzels. Uh, so shout out to her from North Dakota. But I respected the comment and it's something I've always wanted to address. So I did it at the end. But uh, it's a bigger topic that we can do in eight minutes. But you're the guy to talk to because, again, I, you got to run a business. You got to pay your employees. I think Ross isn't going to do this for free. No, no, he's well. Ross has worked for free in this industry before. I, uh, I have as well. Way back in the day, for for free for like eleven months one time. I was like, I was like, just like yeah, whatever. But but let me let me wrap by saying this: the best thing that the audience can do is support our sponsors in terms of helping us grow, helping us continue to do flagrant howls, purple daily. We build community here. We we there's thousands, tens of thousands of Minnesota sports fans. And we pride ourselves on building community, being a place where you can come celebrate, gripe, throw out reckless speculation, trade ideas, whatever it may be. And what allows us to be able to do that and continue to build community is our advertising partners. It sounds like this commenter, if you have a problem with like certain sectors of advertisers, your complaints probably shouldn't be directed to us because we are sort of a reflection of our audience. Like our, we know our audience and we know which advertisers would be a good fit with our audience. It sounds like you might want to email or call your local legislator. That is like, if that's, if that's or my best friend, Adam Silver. Change, like, <laughs> right. So anyways, we, yeah, but no, I appreciate the question too. And appreciate everyone who supports us and helps us grow flagrant howls and other shows on Scorner. There's a lot that goes in to this little silly podcast or a much larger podcast like Dane or Purple Daily, which is one of the best football podcasts. This is still a business. It's a business for all of us. And again, I appreciate the comment. It was worth talking about. Uh, I probably need to do a little more due diligence in how I talk about those things. But uh, you and Hubbard and everyone, they do a really good job. Like the the sponsors of today's podcast, they want to have your carpets cleaner and help you get into an affordable house. Like that's pretty good stuff so support those that support us it's always my mantra it's your mantra as well and uh, i take pride and i hope that people like listening to this and the numbers show that they do uh because i never want to charge people i want you to spend all that other money on our sponsors and things that help you be a happier person and and in a better spirit uh you'll never have to give phil or i money yeah amen unless you want to Amen. No, not, no, no. Give money to our sponsors. Give money to our sponsors. Uh, all right. That's Kyle. I'm Phil. And this is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls.